Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Esther how Haman continued to make bad decision after bad decision and was not rebuked by his own family and friends. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. Now, remember, our teaching series on the book of Esther will continue until Purim on March 15th this year, 2014. And then Tom Cantor will resume teaching from Exodus every Thursday and Friday, but will continue every Thursday and Friday up to Purim on March 15th, studying the book of Esther. Now, remember, all of the Exodus, Esther, Genesis, and other special messages from Tom Cantor are available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor wants to encourage you to witness to your lost Jewish friend, maybe a Jewish doctor, Jewish business owner, Jewish neighbor, Jewish friend, maybe even a Jewish family member or acquaintance that you know. And Tom Cantor wants to send you his life story on DVD and in a booklet form to help you evangelize and reach your lost Jewish friend. It's not a Roman's road track, but it's something that will resound with Jewish people. And Tom came from an Orthodox Jewish background with his great-grandfather and grandfather, And then his dad, who was a Beverly Hills doctor, being secular Jewish. So his testimony spans and touches on Orthodox to secular to atheist. And it's a wonderful testimony. Millions and millions and millions of copies have gone out around the world in different languages, from Israel to South America, the United States, Canada, all over the world. We'd like to get you a copy. And there's two ways to do that. You can go to friendshipwithgod.org, fill out the online form under free gift, and we'll send that gift to you or to your Jewish friend for free. And you can also call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. We do appreciate your support, and you can make a donation online at friendshipwithgod.org. It helps us to provide free gifts to lost Jewish people, friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, you can call us to donate or to get that free gift, 1-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor with our teaching from the book of Esther. You know, this is an interesting book, this book of Esther. It's called in the Hebrew, the Megillah. You ever heard of Megillah? You know, yeah, Megillah. And this, anyway, it's, it's literally Megillah means scroll. But you know how we use it today. We're going to say, oh, okay, yeah, sit down and give me the whole Megillah. No, tell me the whole story. No, so I tell me every part of it, all the intricate parts of it, the complete story. Just unload the whole Megillah. And if you're from the Midwest, you say the whole Megillah cutty. That's what they say. I have no idea why they say that. But anyways, that's what they say. So Megillah means every intricate detail of the story. And that's how this book is viewed by the Jewish people, as every intricate detail is there. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's all here. I mean, we're hearing about the king's sleep and the conversations between uh, people, between Mordecai and Esther and, and Haman and Zeresh and, and, uh, and his friends, and it's all the little details or anything. And what's so interesting about this is that, as you know, Apart from the book of the Song of Solomon, apart from the book of the Song of Solomon, this is the only book in the Bible that doesn't have the word God in it. It doesn't have the word God. So you could say, this is the beautiful part about the book of Esther, because you could sit there and say, how could it be the whole Megillah? Because it doesn't have the word God. Isn't this the book of God? And that's a beautiful part about it. Because if you said that, well, because this book doesn't have the word God in it, it must not be about God. And you'd be so wrong. If that was true, you'd be wrong if you said the book of Esther doesn't have the word God in it. So it must mean that this book is not in any way about God. Be so wrong because the beauty of this book of Esther is the book is all about God and his name's not mentioned. And who caused verse one there? 
Who caused on that night could not the king sleep? God did. So really, it's up to us to add that in for verse 1. And God caused that on that night could not the king sleep. But that's exactly what happened. That's exactly why on that night could not the king sleep. And this whole book is all about God causing this and all about God causing that. And so what is it really saying to us as we look at the book of Esther? What it's really saying to us is it's saying this. Let him that thinks see God in this book. Let him that thinks see God in every page in the book of Esther. And that's why this book is so relevant for today. Because he's wrong. A person looks at the human body and says, well, I don't see a direct proof it was made by God. So I guess it all just fell together by chance. And you'd be wrong. Let him that thinks see God as the creator of the human body. Let him that thinks see God as the creator of the world, of the galaxies, of the universe. He is wrong who looks at the grave and says, well, no one ever came back from the grave, so I don't have any direct proof, so I guess there is no such thing as heaven and hell. And I guess when you're dead, you're just dead. You disintegrate. Let him who thinks see clearly that there is a heaven where God is, and there is a hell for everyone who has sinned, which is all of us, unless we've sought and found God's forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that phrase, on that night, could not the king sleep, could be a summary verse for the whole book because it's so much God in it. Now, verse 5, so what does the great king do? Verse 1, sorry, verse 1. What does the great king do when he can't sleep? He does what we do. He do something very boring. What could be more boring than reading history? So he commands to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, which is about as interesting as reading the books of 1 and 2 Chronicles. So, I mean, how many begats will it take before you fall asleep? And so all of our English versions say at the end of verse 1 that they were read before the king. That's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew word is not read. The Hebrew word is called out or proclaimed or announced. So can you imagine what that was like? Just let me take First Chronicles 1 here. Adam, Sheth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Hanak, Meshuzalam, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Teres, and the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphon, Targamar, and the sons of Japheth, Elisha, Tarshish, Kidim, and Dodonim, the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mitzray, and Put, and Canaan. And how much, isn't that spellbinding? <laughs> uh, how much of that does it take before you fall asleep? But it wasn't working for the king. It wasn't working. And in verse 2, it says, and what do you know? They just happened to find this history of two keepers of the king's door, Bigthana and Teresh, who were planning to murder the king. Now the king, when he reads this, he's like wide awake. And he's saying to himself, murder the king? Murder the king? And the king is thinking, my life was in danger from those within my inner circle, from those who were entrusted to protect the door, to protect my door. They were planning to murder me. And so, you know, the king is now, he's, no, there's no sleep. Forget about sleep this night. He, king is like, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. What happened? And he's read and he says, Mordecai, Mordecai the Jew saved me at the last minute. Mordecai was loyal to me. Mordecai risked retaliation from those murderers. If it was not confirmed that they were going to kill me, he might have been killed. So he's one wound up puppy that night. He is really wound up. And the king is thinking, 
that Mordecai saved my life. I owe Mordecai. I owe Mordecai. I owe Mordecai. And he's like, in his mind, I owe Mordecai. What should I do? And the king says to the reader, stop. I have a question, which is verse 3. The king says, what honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? The king is saying, scan through the history and keep going, keep going. Tell me what was done, what was done, what was done for Mordecai for saving my life. And verse 3, then said the king's servants that minister unto him, there's nothing done for him. Now the king's really wound up, and he says, nothing? The man puts his own life in danger, saves my life, nothing's been done for him, not even a box of chocolate turtles <laughs> sent to him, nothing is done? You're telling me nothing? You know, what kind of a king am I? I don't even write him a thank you note, you know, or what kind of counselors are you? So then the king puts on monster.com a new job opening for king's counselors. The ball is really rolling now. And all because, verse 2, because those readers found in the records and the history of Mordecai and the two traitors. How did it happen that the reader just happened to find the history written? Verse 2 says, and it was found. This is so characteristic of the book of Esther. And it was found. God caused the reader to find that place. God practically opened up the pages and pointed his eyes at it so he couldn't miss it. And here's another place. Let him that thinketh. See in verse 2, and God caused that it was found that Mordecai had told him about Big Thana and Teresh. Well, the last words of verse 3 is the king is just fixated on it. He just can't get over it. There's nothing done for him. There's nothing done for him. There's nothing done for him. It's just fixated the king. And so now, that's all the king wants to talk about. You know, what should we do? We've got to make this right. He's obsessed with having to make the wrong right for Mordecai. Nothing done for him. And the king wants advice on how to make this wrong right. And so, verse 4, the king said, Who's in the court? And Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai <laughs> on the house. And this shows how worked up the king is that in the last verse here of chapter 5, Haman was going to visit the king in the morning. See, the last verse in chapter 5 was the evening, and they had that discussion, and they said, go to sleep, Haman, get a good night's sleep, because in the morning you're going to go, and you're going to go ask that the Mordecai get hanged. And he asked the king for that. So that's what happened. Now, that's the morning that he's come, because in end of verse 5 it uses the word, it says tomorrow, but it's Bokar, in the morning. So this is the morning that Haman now comes. So what does that show you? From the time of the banquet until the morning, the king has had no sleep. He has been up all night long cogitating over this whole thing. And so now Haman comes to speak to the king about uh, hanging Mordecai. Yeah, it's great timing, Haman. Very good. And the king is really ready to hear about how you want to hang Mordecai. <laughs> he's been up all night trying to figure out how he's going to honor Mordecai. So what could be better? So now in verse 5, Haman is announced and he comes in before the king and so that Haman can make his request. And the king is asking Haman for advice. And so in verse 6, it says, So Haman came in. The king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? So the king asked Haman, Haman, I'm so glad you're here. Would you please help me with details? I don't want generalities. I want specific details for what should be done to honor the man who the king wants to honor. The greater the honor, the more you're going to make me happy. Haman, so lay it out. So Haman says, 
Oh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> me, of course. That's all right. And so the king's talking about me. He wants to hear all these details about how I'm going to be honored. Okay, king, I'll make this really good and very detailed. So we can picture the king saying, details, Haman, Haman, give me details, details. Not general talk, but give me details. So, verse 7, Haman starts off very calmly, unlike me. And he clearly states in verse 7 that he's about to give a very, very specific list to the king. And before he does, he puts a title on his list. He's now, king, I would like you to know that the title of this description is For the Man Whom the King Delighteth to Honor by Haman. Okay. And so, first, he says, King, chapter one, or first point, the apparel, the apparel. It must be King Royal apparel. Not just any royal apparel but that the king wears for just like common events. But this has got to be some special royal apparel that the king's got in a special part of his closet. And he only wears these for really special occasions. But he has to have worn it in the past. So the king says, good, Haman, good, good. I really, really like this. I just knew you I could rely on you. What else? And he says, okay, king, the next point, the horse. He says, this must be the king's horse that the king normally rides on. But the horse has to have a special crown of gold on that horse, which is only put on that horse for very, very special royal processions. And the king says, good Haman, good Haman, I like it. I knew I could rely on you. What next? What else? And then he says, king, the delivery. The delivery is so important, king. Now, king, the delivery of the apparels, the clothes, it's really important here. So the clothes and the horse, they need to be delivered by one of the king's most noble princes to this man. And that prince needs to, he needs to himself, like a butler, clothe the man. And he needs to, as a servant, help him onto that horse. And the king says, good, Haman, good. This is giving me exactly what I was looking for. Good, what else? And then he says, now, king, the procession. The procession's got to be just, just perfect, king. He says, we have to choose, what it says in the Hebrew here is a wide street, a very wide street, a main street. And that noble prince needs to lead the horse with that manna down the street. And as he's going, he has to yell out, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And the king says, perfect, Haman, perfect. <laughs> it couldn't be better, Haman. Good job, Haman. And then the king says to Haman, in verse 10, king said to Haman, make haste, take the apparel of the horses thou hast said, and do even to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth in the king's gate. Let nothing fail. Now, it's a little hard for us to imagine the full impact that this had for Haman. So we need to slow this down into slow motion and kind of watch the effect of Haman. First of all, he's smiling and he's waiting you know, for, for this to be said about him. But Haman hears a succession of words. And with each succession of words, it hits Haman in a different way. So the first thing he hears is, make haste. And he goes, and stop there. This is slow motion. Stop there. So with those, Haman feels, oh, very good. Very good, because he thinks, oh, the king's going to say, hurry up and make sure this all happens to me. That's what Haman's thinking, right? So then Haman hears the king say, Take the apparel and horse, as thou hast said. And now, slow motion, stop here. And now, Haman, now color him confused. He's like, me? I'm supposed to take the apparel? No, 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 king, you got it wrong. Some of the most noble prince is supposed to do it, but he, but he says, no, you. So now he's confused. 
Because the king is saying that he's going to be the noble prince that's going to honor another man. So Jesse's trying to sort this whole thing out. And then Haman hears the name Mordecai. <laughs> now Mordecai, this may now color Haman dizzy. He's like, you know, he's been, he's just been knocked for a loop. And so he doesn't know what. And he said, because <laughs> he thinks because the man Mordecai, that his detailed plans are going to honor him, the one that he's built the gallows for. And now he just understands. He just built the gallows. He just built another gallows. He just built the gallows for his pride. And so Haman then hears, he's trying to get over the word Mordecai, you know, trying to process this. And then he hears the word, the Jew. (laughs) The king didn't have to say the Jew. It wasn't just Mordecai. It was Mordecai the Jew. And Haman thinks, the Jew. That's because I ain't Mordecai. I've devised this plan to kill all the Jews. And then he hears the words, the one that sits at the king's gate. And that's the whole thing that infuriated Haman because he never got up whenever Haman would come by. He kept sitting. And so the king says, you know, the Jew that sits at the gate, even when you walk by. Now Haman has a very hard time. So now in verse 11, it says that Haman did it. He took the apparel and the horse and he arrayed Mordecai. Oh man, what a scene that must have been. And brought him on horseback and did everything there. Now, we can imagine Haman going to Mordecai, who's sitting at the king's gate, and <laughs> he has to speak to somebody sitting, and he has to explain to Mordecai what he's going to do, why he's there. And we can imagine Haman taking those special clothes and acting like the butler and dressing Mordecai with them and, and helping Mordecai get up on the horse, <laughs> walking around in front of the horse. Oh, I wish I could have been there. And yelling out, you know, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights in honor. And every now and then, as he, we can imagine Haman, he's walking through the street. We can imagine Haman that every now and then he looks up and he sees that huge gallows that he's built to hang this man. <laughs> he's doing this and he's saying, you know, maybe I'm on the wrong road. I don't know. But he really doesn't think that. And meanwhile, I'll tell you, somebody else is watching all this, the king's servants. Because the king's servants were all watching what was going on. Why were they watching? They were making sure that Haman did it all. They are making sure that the king's orders were fulfilled by Haman. And so those servants are saying to themselves, boy, building those tall gallows for Mordecai, Haman's really gone down the wrong road. This is not going to end well for Haman. So, verse 12, it says, Mordecai goes back again to the king's gate. Isn't that something? That shows you something about Mordecai. Back to his post. Yeah, he had this honor. So does he go off and celebrate? No, he just goes back to sitting at the king's gate, watching out for the benefit of the king, seeing if there's any traitors and so forth as he did in the past. But Haman, he runs home, mourning, having his head covered. And Mordecai is thinking to himself, as he's sitting in the king's gate, he's thinking, now that was a real surprise. <laughs> he must have been sitting in his head. I had no idea that was coming today. And Mordecai was just as surprised as Haman was. But Mordecai wasn't just surprised. You know what Mordecai was doing? He was sitting there and he was saying to himself, you know what I told Esther? I told Esther in Esther 4.13, I said to Esther, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. And Mordecai sits there and he says to himself, I think I just saw that. I think I just saw the enlargement arise to the Jews from another place. I never expected it from Haman. But this is what I told Esther. And you know what? It was a prophecy and God made it to happen. So he's sitting there thinking about that. And Mordecai is thinking, how did all that happen? Let him that thinketh see that God did all that for him. He should say, he said, God did all that for me. What happened? God said to me, don't you worry, Mordecai. Don't you worry. I am the God of enlargement and deliverance to the Jews. 
And so in verse 12, though, we have a different situation. We have Haman. He's running to his home, and he gets home. Can you picture it? He gets home. I don't know. Maybe he slams the door and says, I'm home. But I don't know what would happen. But when Haman slams the door, whatever he said, his wife and his friends rush up and says, well, well, what happened? We've been waiting all day, and here we are, so how did it go? You're going to go and ask for the hang Mordecai, you know? And so in verse 13, we have what happened, and Haman tells them what happened, and his, you can imagine his wife and his friends shaking their head, very astute wife and friends, and they make a prophecy, and they say, you know, if Mordecai is a Jew, and you've devised this plan to kill the Jews, they say, this is not going to go well for you. You'll end up falling. Very brilliant. And so, in fact, they at this time didn't even know that Queen Esther was a Jew and was also the reason why it was not going to go well for Haman. And you know what's very interesting is what anti-Semitic people do not know is that it will not go well for them because the Lord Jesus Christ is a Jew. Now, what's so sad about his wife and his friends is that they told him how it was going to go bad, which it did. They gave him all the bad news, but they didn't tell him how to make the wrong right. They didn't tell him how to repent. They didn't tell him how to seek reconciliation. And that's so common today. There are many, many people who can tell others what's wrong in their lives and think of all the psychiatrists and psychologists, but they never tell them how to repent of their sins. They never tell them how to get reconciliation with God. They never tell them how to find the forgiveness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, just like Haman's wife and his friends. And so, the end of the chapter now, verse 14, and we see that, well, he's still trying to sort through all these things here, and what happens? It says, while they were yet talking with him came the king's chamberlains and hasted, to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. The time was drawing to an end quickly. And the time for lost people to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ is limited and drawing to an end quickly. And the door was closing fast for Haman. And the door is closing fast for the lost. And the time for Haman to repent, the time for Haman to seek reconciliation, the time for Haman to find forgiveness was limited because the door was closing. And that's what this verse tells us here. And that's what we'll pick up when we start again in, with Esther. Who says the Bible's not exciting? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these great people of God. Esther, great woman of God. Mordecai, a great man of God. Lord, thank you that because they trusted you, Lord, they sort of opened the door for you to do great and mighty things. They called upon you. And when you did this in chapter 6, you did something that they knew not. And so we thank you, Lord, for the answers to prayer and fasting. We thank you, Lord, for the enlargement and the deliverance that came through our Lord Jesus Christ that he brought to us when he died for us on the cross and how he brought us deliverance from sin. Thank you so much for what we've learned this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. It's your listenership and support of the Friendship with God radio program 
that helps us to reach lost Jewish people through Israel Restoration Ministries, as well as this radio program. Now, this past year, we've reached over a million and a half lost Jewish people in their homes door-to-door with evangelizing them, taking gospel gifts to them, and helping them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen many Jewish people come to a saving knowledge this past year, but we want many more to come. And we do that through Jewish evangelism outreaches through Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries that go door-to-door with the gospel. We did it this past year in 18 different U.S. cities in America. We also go to other countries like South America, which is Buenos Aires, a huge Jewish population there, as well as Haifa in Israel, many other cities in Israel where we've launched campaigns, as well as Canada and other major Jewish population cities around the world. Now, to encourage you to support Jewish evangelism, We do it through resources, such as our January resource, where we put three of Tom Cantor's books into one compilation resource. Frequently Asked Questions, one of his most popular books, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, Tom Cantor's Life Story. All three of these books put into one major compilation. It's an amazing offer. Now, we're asking for a $30 or more donation towards this ministry, but you'll get a matching donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries to help the gospel to go out to the Jew first. So you're supporting this radio program and Jewish evangelism and the gospel going out around the world, and it also goes out to many millions of Gentiles as well, too. So if you'd like this January resource from Tom Cantor, three of his books into one compilation book for a $30 or more donation to help support Jewish evangelism, call us today, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 Get this great compilation book or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org and go to our online bookstore. Now, while at friendshipwithgod.org you can sign up for Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse. That's friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse that will come to your email or to your phone. You can also find Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse on Facebook Just search for Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or Friendship with God. And just by following one of those three pages, you'll be able to get that daily devotional verse on your Facebook account. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week on Friendship with God.